millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on today's special episode, A Fan of History. That, my friends, was the great Ryan Stitt of the History of Ancient Greece podcast. This is the second episode with Bernie talking to Ryan about ancient Greece. So if you haven't listened to part one, you should do that. I want to give a personal shout out to Ryan for coming on. And uh, I'm sorry that I couldn't join the podcast. But I think Bernie did a great job. And with without further ado, here is... Ryan Stitt and Bernie. I'm pretty yeah. cool. I feel like right into the, I get ahead a little, but I pretty much, that's, I'm, I kind of have tunnel vision when I do it. I try to just get into that decade and I try to find little weird stories too. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, why do you think there were so many merc- Greeks or mercenaries for so long? And not just after they had the failings before. I think they were like great fighters or just so many of them, the killers. What do you think? Probably um, smart. They had um, superior weapons technology. With the with the hoplites, they were they were pretty they were good fighters. Everybody wanted wanted to hire the Egyptians wanted to hire them. Um, they had some in the Libyans um, when the Libyans tried to overtake the Egyptians. You know the Near East, most of the Near Eastern army like Lydians uh, wanted Spartan mercenaries or not mercenaries, Spartan soldiers. They wanted the Greeks to fight for them because they knew how disciplined they were. Mercenaries really, I mean, there, it wasn't really that big of a thing until later. Uh, I mean, okay. obviously, the mercenaries from the Greek mercenaries, I mean, big of a thing in, in terms of like it wasn't as popular until, say, like the later Peloponnesian War into the fourth century. And everyone remembers Xenophon's famous the yeah. 10,000, the 10,000 mercenaries that go off to fight for uh, Cyrus the uh, second, trying to overthrow his brother, not Cyrus the Great, but another Cyrus, a later yeah. one. But early on, like you would get, you know, some people would go off to be mercenaries for various reasons. Adventure, uh, maybe they were poor. (laughs) 
or they were really rich, but they weren't part of the ruling class. And this is the same reason kind of why you get people colonizing too. Like, okay, maybe there's famine, maybe something, or maybe they were um, Eastern Greeks uh, who, you know, um, just kind of wanted an adventure or something. You, you yeah. never really know. You're just conjecturing why people, you know, I guess from now that we're saying it, they, they had free, they could, they were, you know, they weren't yeah. ruled by a single ruler. Like, you know, yeah. I couldn't imagine um, Ashurbanipal letting a bunch of his citizens like be in, in the employee of someone else's army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were quote unquote free in the sense that they had their city state, and this Greece wasn't right. Greece, like it's not what you think of like modern Greece. It was right. individual. It was more of like each city state was more of the way I, the way a good analogy, but it's not roughly equivalent. But a good analogy would kind of be like the U.S. like thirteen colonies. Like mm-hmm. each city state was kind of like its own colony in a sense. Uh, in the pre-revolution days, where like they mm-hmm. had autonomy, but they were kind of they knew they all kind of came from the same. Uh, right, or maybe spirit. like Christian yeah. Europe, like when they would do it the Crusades. Maybe you know they fight each other all the time, but then then they band together to fight the against his muslims well not really in the sense that like even when they fought the persians they didn't all band together there were right. it was only about i think 30 percent of the greeks actually fought in the persian war for the greeks and, and and some of them were neutral some of them actually fought on the persian side it was very much a civil war as opposed mm-hmm. to an external war too it's amazing that they beat them i mean it just it, you know it always is it's one of those amazing things in history right mm-hmm. well Sure. And also, I mean, like looking back on it, too, it's like, OK, they beat them and they pushed them out. But if, if the Persians really wanted to defeat them, yeah, like if they wanted to throw every single resource they had at it to do it, they could have done yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like they could have worked that it's so far away. Right. Yeah. But they they were just, you know, they they just like these they were these kind of, yeah nobody's quote unquote nobody's on their their periphery like they were like okay well whatever we'll just you know go back to where we were going and going back to making money and deal with people in the east yeah which we don't get a whole lot of record of of what they're doing in the east because they tended to be i don't want to say illiterate because they weren't illiterate but they didn't write or leave records quite like we get when we get with like the hebrews and the greeks and the egyptians yeah, the, people, and the, 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 Western the babylonians people, yeah. kept a lot of records too yeah so we don't have like a lot of records from the people the Persians fought in the east, the north, the northeast. So you can yeah. get a lot. You can only get a lot of conjectures. Or Herodotus mentions a few battles with the Massagetae and, and the Scythians, but like you, it's just a lot of it was like you can just assume that there was constant battles on their uh, on their borders in the east. That the armies were every year or every few years had to go out and you know keep, but we don't really get that. Um, so oh, like right. when when the Persian record is silent, it's kind of you know. You just quote unquote insert. Okay, they're uh, consolidating their government, consolidating power, probably dealing with people in the east. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Assyrians were always dealing with somebody in the east, but it was the people who were the Persians <laughs> end up being mm-hmm. the Persians, right? They're always fighting the, in Elam or in Babylonia and those places. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still funny how like they even the Greeks get them wrong. I, I where they they call. Um, they call Ashurbanipal Sardanapalus, I think it is, right? They I don't know that. Great, yeah, they have this story. They, they, let me see. They call him Sardanapalus. And 
they basically get him mixed up with his brother. There's a play, and he's called Sardanapolis. Hang on mm. a second. Well, I mean, Greeks changed a lot of names to sound better for the Greek tongue. So a lot of like names, a lot of Greek names end in OS or ION, and you'll you'll mm-hmm. see Cyrus, Xerxes, Darius, like. Like that's not their actual Persian name. So, I mean, and we do the same with English. Like, we anglicize everything. Yeah. Like, the Greek words um, we've turned into, and the Romans did it too. Uh, they took the Greek words and turned them into Latin, better for their language. So it's just, you know, that's what they they do. That's And we know these people by the Greek names in the Greek sources, um, which goes, you know, because the Greek sources are what we have, and they're predominantly, we don't have, like, a Persian chronicle of their own history we have greeks talking about persian history so we know them by the greek names just like a lot of the egyptian egyptian rulers pharaohs we know by greek names or by the names that they were called and not right. by their own names that they Thankfully, were because yeah. the egyptian names are really hard to pronounce compared to greek names <laughs> sometimes people know by their egyptian names now like like greek or cheops instead of mm-hmm. khufu but people call khufu now like sometimes like you know it changes but like yeah they changed their names basically and 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 that's not like a nationalistic kind of we don't like your name it's just like everybody does that right i'm not saying it's right but it's just what it is like right we call los angeles not los angeles you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but yeah they they but but they really had it mixed up because there was a they, they described Ashurbanipal, they call him Sardanopolis, and they described him as a rich and effeminate king of Nineveh. And then in the end, he set himself on fire with all his treasure and concubine when faced with a rebellion by a Mede general. So that's obviously all mixed mm-hmm. up. I think they probably just took a story, you know, the story of the Shamashuma, Shamashuma Ukin, that was Ashurbanipal's brother in the rebellion, mm-hmm. and then just sort of, you know, made a story out of it. Mm hmm. Either that or they just didn't have it, you know, they didn't know. So we'll never know. We'll never know what they knew, I guess, but <laughs> for sure. I mean, we know that all these places are connected and everything, but they're still, we are, they're still far away from each other. You know, 600 BC when you don't have a car or a plane to get there and phone to call, even though they're connected. But I, you know, if you lose a little, I think if you lose a little bit, you know, if just the people that are connected lose the memory or the connections that they had and the knowledge of these other civilizations, then. I don't know. I guess you just sort of, you just lose it. You know, you don't really understand everything about them as, as much as they, like the Persians and the Greeks that obviously knew a lot more about each other once they've been in contact for so long. I don't know if it's necessarily that they lost knowledge or they don't had knowledge of each other. It's just, I mean, the people who, the traders, the people who would, would come into contact with the other civilizations obviously knew the other people. But are we talking like the everyday farmer who oh, yeah, they're living on their farm. Right, of course, uh, right. Are they going to really know about all the different people in the world? Um, other than, you know, maybe what they heard when they went to the local Agora and the like gossip or, you know, yeah. like, uh, like, oh, these are, and then, you know, like the upper elite classes are getting like these rich Phoenician and Egyptian like jewelry and things like, okay, like most of their contact would have been through like goods, I would imagine. Right. Um, sure. Or, right. Or the people who were, say, Egyptian traders, maybe at the Greek ports, might have been an Egyptian ship pulling in or something, yeah. um, or a Phoenician ship pulling in. Your uh, knowledge of a said type of people comes from a certain 
other class of people. Yeah, coming so. through filters. Sort of like the Romans and the Chinese, though, you know, like they knew that there was this place, but when they really, they really didn't understand what was each were like. They, But they did have some, you know, they were, they got close, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, they generally knew where the people were. I mean, in the sixth century is when you start getting a lot of our earliest evidence for maps, uh, cartography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure people knew it beforehand because they would have to sail. They used the stars to figure right. out how to get different places and different seasons were better for sailing. But you start seeing like early, our earliest evidence for cartography. And for the most part, I mean, it's relatively accurate in the sense of like the Mediterranean. Obviously, <laughs> everywhere outside of that is like they didn't have... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The exact boundaries correct. Right. But like they kind of knew where the different peoples were in the Mediterranean. Like, okay, the Lydians were to the east. Phoenicians were to the southeast. Egypt was to the further, was a little bit more south as opposed to southeast. Well, it was southeast, but not quite as southeast. At, at like, you know, more five o'clock, less four o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like it relatively where the people were, they they knew that. Um, and again, people who would be making these these cartography maps were richer people who probably who had the luxury of traveling as well right. <laughs> so right. yeah um it wouldn't have been like the everyday person who lived on their farm and basically was just trying to survive right so, even know who's in charge or what probably yeah. most of them you know yeah but it's still interesting like that they got the syrians so wrong later you know that they 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 knew that there was they knew there was a something in nineveh but they didn't such a big empire that they just i don't know like it doesn't seem like either really understood what was going on over there what do you mean they got stuff. what do you mean they got them wrong like in this they, well they well they called ashurbanipal this funny name they really don't know the story they call him the king of nineveh like it doesn't seem like they really had from what i've looked that there was only a small amounts of assyria ever mentioned by the greeks later and then came through egypt but uh, but uh, I mean it's 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 very dangerous to uh, to talk like that that like that's what they knew because mm-hmm. first off the the sources 
it could just be that that's what that per- particular According source, source knew. And sure. we also don't have as we have like one percent of the ancient literature that survived. Well, true, true. Yeah, maybe then they and you know, everybody didn't know what was going on over there. As far as yeah, I'm a, I would imagine that political rulers in Eastern the Eastern Greeks among Ionia and like the ruling classes pro- probably were very familiar with the vicissitudes of a lot of the the Eastern kingdoms, mm-hmm, um, sure. and the traders probably were very familiar with what was going on in their kingdoms they probably heard things that were taking place as they pulled up to the docks you know gossip hour probably knew at least snippets of what was going on they weren't ignorant right as they said there was there was some there was rebellions too the greeks were involved in you know and with uh, and the mercenaries and the mercenaries they were fighting they would have known at least somewhat what was going on um, yeah, they weren't going to be completely ignorant of what they were fighting or where they were fighting or who they were fighting. Yeah. yeah and I they imagine. say, I mean, it was destroyed around 700 and probably by Sennacherib. Mm-hmm. I mean, they rebuilt it, but they must have known that it was some, some badass came in there and, you know, mm-hmm. did some business. I mean, that was uh, the Phoenicians by then were uh, vassals of Assyria. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, that's the thing, I guess, they, you know, the, the Greeks and the East, the Near Easterners did, they knew about each other. Before, you know, how, like I said, as we were told in grade school and high school that they were like, who are these Greeks? But they must have they must have all known each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, known each other in the sense that they knew they existed. Right. Um, yeah. They didn't I, really I understand each other. And of course, that's why the Greeks went west. They couldn't colonize the east because they knew there were civilizations that were already there. Mm-hmm. And they, they went the northeast and west. Right. Well, north, north, right. northeast, and west. There was some yeah, colon. West, there was yeah. some colon- colonies south and east, but not, but very little. Like, like you said, Almina, col- it wasn't a colony, but it was more of a trading post. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Egypt, Nocritus, and Thonis. They were trading posts. There was Cyrene. That was a colony, a Greek colony. Um, so near Carthage or near a North African coastline. But most, mo- but most of it was Italy, southern Italy, Sicily. France, southern France, eastern Spain, and yeah, and the Black Sea, and the northern Aegean coastline. Yeah, they I mean they really were the most different. I mean, you know, I just don't you don't see the other the Near Eastern civilizations, I guess, you know, spreading out the way the Greeks did. Just so just so much energy, I guess. I mean, they just the Near Eastern was just conquered everybody, or these guys were doing all kind of things all over the place. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I guess that kind of wraps it up, right? Wraps what up? The, what we're talking about? <laughs> oh, for the uh, for the uh, Assyrians. Just in general, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's any. You know, we kind of we, but eventually we come up to the 500 BC when the Persians mm-hmm. and the Greeks do throw down. So obviously, by that point, everybody knows about each other for 100. Mm-hmm. percent Yeah, I mean, they were again Black Sea trading, Eastern Mediterranean trading. Um, the Greeks, the Greeks were fighting as mercenaries in Neo-Babylonian Egyptian armies, Lydian armies. They cultural uh, they they were on diplomatic missions. There, there was pottery um, sent back and forth. So trade. We have evidence of um, materials from all, even like Central Asian peoples in Greece and Greek pottery, as far as like art too and all throughout the Black yeah. Sea. Um, so we know, like, at least 
upper class people who had the uh, the ability to travel supposedly people like pythagoras went all the way to india and egypt um and babylon to be like trained in mathematics and stuff um so like the people who were rich who are the sources kind of you know they could just leave and go travel and sightsee right. solon did that in athens in the sixth century early sixth century he he traveled around the mediterranean and visited people um herodotus i mean that this is the reason he was able to to write his stories is and able to travel and see the people is because you know he was wealthy he came from a wealthy right. class in helicarnassus or a wealthy family in helicarnassus so like right. the wealthy people who had the ability to travel especially later when the Persian Royal Road would be established. It made traveling throughout the the empire, the interior, throughout like a lot easier. Yeah, there's there was definitely interaction um, throughout the Iron Age. Most of it was trade and a lot of cultural um, interaction, where you, you mm-hmm. learn about things from traders who pulled up to the port, or you know, some people would learn some things and they would adapt it uh, to their own. There's a lot of religious connections with especially a lot of the early cults i talk about that a lot um and i have a series of a dozen or so episodes on all the individual major gods plus some of the minor ones and you talk about like the early history of their cults and a lot of you see a lot of connections between mesopotamian uh cultic and practices in their deities egyptian anatolian um local gods there's none of these civilizations existed in a bubble Basically, yeah, that's correct. And then, they, uh, you know, right around that, I think right around the mid 600s, the 600s is when Homer was writing, probably, right? We think, and a lot of that got the 600s. I mean, the, the, well, the, I don't, I, I, the I don't think Homer later, was actually but a... they were writing, you know, like even the Bible was kind of written there. It seems like these civilizations were writing their origin stories mm-hmm. around that time. Yeah, a lot of people have each other. Mm-hmm. I don't actually believe Homer ever existed as a person, but right. like a, <laughs> but, um, yeah, somewhere around 750 to 600, I guess. Uh, well, 750, 750 to 700 or so is like the traditional date. Some people will place it much later. I mean, Homer, as we kind of see, have it today was fixed by Pisistratus in Athens in the late 600s at a festival, like, because there were so many different versions of this story, and they okay, kind of yeah. wrote them down as one. Um, but, like, the story itself was date, you know, 8th century. Sure, right, right, right. It's like, right. but it's like the Bible. A lot of the Bible stuff was done right around then, too, and so it seems like these cultures were getting their... Mm-hmm. They're really come. They're looking back to the from the past all the way back there, and then you know, mm-hmm. creating their identity as Greeks, as Hebrews, as that kind of thing. But obviously, mm-hmm. if they're mixing with each other, they're influencing each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, every every Mediterranean culture has a flood story. There's very similar myths in all. Uh, there's very similar stories in all the different ancient myths or all the different cultural myths. You see a lot of similarities and. In Greek myth and Mesopotamian myth and Egyptian myth, just different names and some of the details may be the same, but you know that big picture theme very similar. Right, but you don't see you don't see similarities between Greeks and the and the Aztecs or anything like that because they're obviously not near each other at all, not connected. So that's one of the reasons you could see that these people were connected. No matter what people may uh, say, the Greeks or the uh, Romans never went to South America or North America. Yeah. <laughs> No matter what you may see on the History Channel. Right. And as I always say, the aliens did not build the pyramids either. 
nor did slaves. No, probably no. Yep. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you would. Or Hebrew slaves, else. I should say. Nor did Hebrew should slaves. Add, what was that? I said, nor did Hebrew slaves. No, that you no, see no. in the Bible <laughs> of the Exodus, <laughs> they did not build the pyramids. No. My theory has always been that they were people. That, they had too much, you know, um, too many people that had had too much time on their hands, maybe, and they <laughs> they had them put rocks on top of other rocks to keep them out of getting in trouble and give them <laughs> beer and food. So it's like a working theory I have. Mm-hmm. You know, once the farms became like a productive, and then people didn't need to like work all day long, and now you have these people, you know, and you you don't want people in, in idle, so put, put rocks on top of rocks. I'm sure that wasn't the main plan, but it kind of worked out that way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, I mean, I I think um I think we summed it all up. You think? Yeah. Well, I think that we co- we pretty much covered pretty thoroughly, don't you think, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had fun. Uh, this was this was fun. I, I like your guys' podcast. Um, so I'm I'm very honored that you got, that uh that you asked me to come on. Um, tell Dan that I I'm disappointed that he couldn't come to this as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to get all the times together, but maybe you and Dan will do one sometime. Yeah, he's a oh, uh, Sweden, right? Yeah, he's in Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. I'm trying to talk him into going to the. the I heard you on um, the podcaster. I'm not the name. I can't remember the name of the event that's in New York, but you guys did it virtually this year. What's the name of that event? Oh, Intelligent Speech. Yeah, yeah. I want to because I'm in, I'm only a couple hours from New York, so I'm trying to talk Dan into coming to New York for that next year if they have mm-hmm. it, or maybe the year after. Yeah, I think I well, we'll see. We'll see how the world is next year, next summer. If they still have a vaccine yeah. or whatnot, but um, yeah. we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, so, it was yeah, uh, it was a lot much, of fun. Ryan. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say it was a lot of fun last year in New York City, and I was really bummed that I couldn't go back this year. Yeah, because every time I go to New York City, I I, I spend hours in the Met. It's become a I go to I try to go to New York City at least once a year and and go see the Met and the Natural History Museum and the Planetarium, and I didn't yeah. get to see the Met this year. Well, if it goes next year or the year after, we'll have to keep in touch and maybe we yeah. could meet up out there because even my daughter lives in Brooklyn. So, mm. so I got friends in New York too and stuff. So, yeah. So thank you very much, Ryan. And his podcast is The History of Ancient Greece, right? And we'll put the links to that in our show notes. Mm-hmm. For Ryan's mm-hmm. um, fans, ours is Fan of History. You can um, follow me on Twitter at Greek History Pod or Instagram at Greece History Pod. Apparently... I couldn't get Greek History Pod. Someone already made it, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, but I couldn't find it, so I think somebody made it and then deleted it. Um, yeah. But yeah. They're not, they're, not a, they're not an overachiever like you. You've been doing all these episodes. <laughs> I mean, I know you put a lot of work in your episodes, so I could tell you guys that. Thank you. You, you could, you know, and then, I mean, it's easier for me because I talk with you or I talk with Dan. You're doing them standalone by yourself and just, they're great. I mean. I'm sure I use them as references for our podcast. I bet you people use it for, for for school and everything like that. So they're they're definitely very informative. I highly recommend them. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yep, you're welcome. Well, thank you very much, and um, maybe we'll do it again soon. We'll come up with a topic. Yeah, and fan of history is on all the social media, and they're fan of history. So, and my name is Bernie Mayopolsky. If you need to find me, all right, all right. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 